You are listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church in Rainbow City, Alabama. More information about our church can be found online at www.12th.co. Good morning, faith family. It is a privilege to be here with you today and to see that we are looking to hear the Word of God preached, not in and of ourselves, not by any work that we do in and of ourselves, but by the power of God that rests in us. So today I am praying as I preach to you and as I've been preparing for this, that God would work in all of our hearts, that he would change us according to his power, because today we are looking to the word and the word is what God uses to imprint his desires for us. He uses his word by the Holy Spirit to not only imprint those desires on us, but also to change us from the inside out. And so today we're going to look at Romans 8, beginning a new series through Romans 8 and 9 called Set Free. The fact of the matter is that if you are in Christ, if you have been born again, in other words, if you have put your hope and faith in Christ, repented of life without Him, turned away from life without Him, and are believing on Him as your Lord and Savior and trusting in Him, then you are new and Jesus has set you free from the life that enveloped you before. And we're going to look at that today through Romans 8, 1 through 4. I encourage you to turn in your Bibles there. And as we get into the Word together, let me begin by reading the Scripture and then praying over us one more time before we go any further. Romans 8, 1 through 4. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus, from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Father, now... Would you help us to walk according to your spirit in and by your power that we might understand what it means that in Christ there is now no condemnation for us. Lord, you have set us free in Jesus. Make this real. Change us according to your word and by this truth that you secured for us in Jesus on the cross. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, every one of us is guilty of doing things that we know are wrong. Every one of us have done things we know we shouldn't do because somewhere deep within our souls we are imprinted with a moral code of law that God has placed in us, in our DNA. Uh, Before we were born, He imprinted it on our souls. And so there are common uh, moral views and understandings that pervade all cultures And we stand condemned by the law of God written for us in the Bible because we do not abide even by the laws that's written on our hearts. We know what we should not do, and yet we do it anyway. We know what we should not transgress. We know how we should treat others. We know how we should act and live and do right things. But we continue in our lives to do things we should not do. And so therefore, we stand condemned by that law and by the very word of God that brings that law to us. But thanks be to God that he has not left us in our sin to die, but has sent his one and only son, Jesus, to save us from the condemnation that we deserve. And if you are in Christ, that means if you have put your hope and faith in Jesus, there is therefore now no condemnation for you. 
Jesus has set us free. The perfect law of God has done what it was put here to do. To fully reveal the righteous and perfect character of God. The Bible is a, is a, is a clear picture, a, an image, a reflection of God's self. Who He is, His own very character. And therefore, His law shines light on anything or anyone that fails to live up to that perfect standard of God's character. And the law does its job perfectly, continually revealing our sin. But there are things the law cannot do. And there are things the law will never do. Let me run through a few of these for us to understand what the law cannot do. The law, although perfect itself, cannot cause us to walk in holiness. The law, although it clearly reveals our sin, cannot cause us to stop sinning. In fact, we would have already done so if we had been able to do by the law. And the law, although it commands our love, cannot cause us to love God or to love our neighbors. Even though Jesus says that is the summation of the law. And the law, though it reveals the beauty and majesty of God, cannot cause us to desire God over our sin. The law, though it is perfectly good, can't even cause us to do good. And the law, although it always glorifies God, it reveals our imperfections and shows us every failing because it points to His perfection. It cannot cause us to glorify God. And it condemns us daily. In our actions, in our impurity of thought, in our conscience, the law does what it was meant to do, but there are things the law cannot do. Therefore, the law is righteous, it is good, it is holy, and that it condemns us and demands justice for our sins. And we don't want to think about that, but that's exactly what it does. It shows us the perfect level of perfection that we should live morally, absolutely, yet we are unable to do. But the one thing the law cannot do above all others for us is it cannot save us. Yet so many of us live according to the law of sin and death that we see described for us here in Romans 8. Even as believers, we live in that law of sin and death. Constantly challenging and putting ourselves up to that law and seeing where we line up and feeling like failures because we do not and cannot meet the expectations. Or we feel like we have done well because we do not understand that the laws talk to us like do not murder, also go deeper, meaning do not even hate someone in your own heart. Not even for a moment. And we can't save ourselves by adhering to that law because our sin makes perfect adherence impossible. And the law therefore leaves us to wait for the swift justice of God to be carried out upon us. And that's bad news. And I know it sounds like bad news because it is. And be sure the law demands perfect justice for our failure to perfectly obey the law. Justice is coming. This is a message we do not hear enough anymore. Justice is coming. Wrath is on our heels as those who have rebelled against God and who do not live up to the standard that He has created us for. And we cannot escape it. God knows where we are at all times. He knows who we are. We cannot hide from Him. We cannot run from Him. And He is a holy God who must always be just, although He is also love. Perfect love demands hate for things that go against that perfect love. For example, if you love children, you hate those who hurt children. You hate the things that happen to children that are bad. You cannot love children and also love those who hurt them in the same way. It is not possible. So perfect love demands perfect justice. And when we see injustice in the world around us, even we cry out for justice. We cry out for those things or people to be dealt with swiftly and righteously. 
Think of just a few of them. What about mass genocide in the world? We cry out for someone to take action to punish those responsible and save the victims with immediacy. When we read about the countless victims of sexual slavery, it moves so many of us in our culture today to be a part of trying to eradicate that. We raise up arms and cry out for someone to stop the atrocities and right the wrong, jumping in to even be a part of that justice. When someone we know is murdered or severely hurt, we cry out for justice and recompense. We want to see action taken to right those wrongs because we know it's wrong and we know it deserves justice. And when someone we care for has been wronged or hurt in any way, our hearts become inflamed toward them. And toward the, not toward them, but toward the injustice and those who committed it. Longing for justice to be served on behalf of our loved ones. But when we are the ones who commit the injustice, we do not cry out for someone to do a lot of justice, do we? Yet even then our hearts condemn us. And we know that. If we then who are imperfect, and less than righteous feel this way even toward our own sins and transgressions. How much greater must an all-holy and perfectly righteous God feel toward us who sin continually? His law demands we be punished, and we rightly deserve it. But praise God, because of His great love for us, God sent Jesus to save us. Not to bring wrath upon us, but to save us. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5 says it. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. That is, if you're in Christ. Praise God now. There is therefore no condemnation now for those who are in Christ. For the law of the Spirit of life has set us free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. If you are in Christ Jesus. But how can God remain just? This is the great question of the Bible. How can He remain just and righteous if He does not do what His own law demands by bringing wrath upon all of us? Well, this is what Romans 8, 1-4 through 4 is really all about. Look at it with me again. There, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Let's break that down. Listen, God has done what the law could never do. The law demands that we love God above all of the people and all of the things. And that we love our neighbor as our own self. But the law cannot give us that love. The law cannot put that love within our hearts. But God can do so. And in Christ, if we are made new, He puts His Spirit in us and gives us that love. Taking away our adherence to a law we cannot live up to, but now adhering and walking according to the Spirit of God that lives within us. So by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. In the flesh of Jesus. The law couldn't do that. The law couldn't condemn sin in the flesh of Jesus, because Jesus is perfectly God and perfectly man. God had to do it Himself. He had to condemn sin in the flesh. God sent His very own Son. He didn't wait for us to finally come to Him. He sent His Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Jesus became one of us in the flesh, but without the sin. Galatians 4, But when the fullness of time had come, 
God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh, fully in flesh, but not with the sin, because He was born by the Spirit, according to Mary. So by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, He sent Him for sin. That means that God sent Jesus because He loves us. And Jesus became one of us because of His great love for us. And He came because of our sin. He loved us so much He would not leave us under condemnation in our own sin. So therefore God sent Him and He condemned sin not in our flesh, which we deserve, but He laid our sin upon the shoulders of His Son and condemned our sin in Jesus' flesh on the cross. This is what we call substitutionary atonement. That He paid the price in our place on the cross that we should pay for our sins. He took our sins upon His shoulders and He paid the price by drinking down the wrath of God to the very dregs, the bottom of the cup, so that He could suffer for us so that we then would have life according to Him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake... God made Him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. See, He did all this not so that we could remain in our sin, brothers and sisters, but in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. And what does that even mean? See, verse 4, say it again. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Well, if we can't live according to the law, how are we going to live according to the righteous law? That's a great question, right? Romans 13 brings clarity to what that means to live according to the law. Romans 13, 8 through 10. Oh, no one anything, it says, except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And any other commandment, he says, are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. The very word of God tells us that to fulfill the law is to love God and to love others as you love yourself. This is the righteous requirement of the law. So what does that love look like? What kind of love are we talking about then? Does that mean to love someone like you love your favorite possession? We obviously we think that's not true, but there are different kinds and levels of love for different people, right? We all love things differently and love different people different ways. So what are we talking about? What we're talking about is the love that's demonstrated even in these verses. Look back at verse 3. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. So God is doing what we cannot do. He's doing it for us in our place by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. So out of His love for us and out of His desire to condemn sin in a way that we can be with Him, He sends His one and only Son for us for sin. And He condemned sin in the flesh of His Son. So he took his one and only son who's worth more than all of creation combined and he placed him in this place to become one of us, fully God and fully man. And though we were separated from the love of God in relationship with him, he and that one person, Jesus, brought back together full humanity and full deity and he 
bore our sins on the cross so that we could not have to endure the wrath of God, but He endured it for us in our place as our substitute, atoning for our sins, paying the penalty for our sins, bringing us back into relationship with Him. This is perfect love. The self-sacrificing love His self-sacrifice in our place on the cross. This is the good news of the gospel. This is what makes everything else possible. That in Christ, He declares us righteous even though we are not. So therefore, there is now no condemnation for us. Jesus has set us free, church. We are free from the law of sin and from death. We no longer have to fear those things because we have Christ who has demonstrated great love for us. And therefore now, according to the Spirit, we can walk in the Spirit and set our minds on those things. And we can walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit so that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Look, Him declaring us right when we are sinners. But He can do that because He sent His Son to die the death we deserve so that He remains just. And He therefore says there is no condemnation for us. He has justified us, declared us a verdict of not guilty because He declared guilty on His Son who died on the cross in our place. So now, therefore, because we are declared not guilty... He's now in Christ can also work in us by the power of his spirit so that we can walk according to the spirit. This is sanctification, us being shaped into the image of Christ, being made into that perfect person we were intended to be originally according to the law. And we can do so because we can fulfill the law because it's Christ that works in us and through us by his spirit. So the gift of God for us. He is the one who declares us right. He's the one that makes the way for us. He's the one that declares there's no condemnation. And He puts the Spirit in us to shape us and change us and carry us along as we become more and more like Jesus. It is Him, not us. It is not I, but Christ in me. This is the beauty of the Gospel. The law can never make this happen. But in Christ, we've been set free from sin and death that held us captive in our prior estate. Jesus has made the way. He has set us free. And if we are in Christ Jesus, we no longer have to worry about the law of sin and death. We no longer compare ourselves according to the law of sin and death. We no longer look at ourselves and see how much we fail and think we cannot go any further because we run to Jesus even in times such as that. Like the song that we will sing in a moment says, No fate I dread, I know I am forgiven. The future sure, the price it has been paid. For Jesus bled and suffered for my pardon, and He was raised to overthrow the grave. To this I hold, my sin has been defeated. Jesus now and ever is my plea. Oh, the chains are released. I can sing. I am free. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. So let us, faith family, let us live like the free. Let us love those around us with the love of Jesus. For we've been set free. It should change everything about what we do and how we do it. And they need that same freedom. The people around us need the same freedom that we've been freely given. So let us give that freedom to others in the person and work of Jesus because Jesus can set them free as well. And I know some of us, even right now, I feel it in myself. We say things like, I don't think I can do that. I'm not good at talking to others about Jesus. I, I feel silly. I'm unable to do those kinds of things. Yet not I, but through Christ in me.
In Christ we can. If you've been set free by the powerful blood of Jesus, then you can. Because the powerful, working Holy Spirit lives within you. Yet not you, but Christ in you can do that. So what would it look like, church, if we loved our spouses in this way? If we loved our families in this way? How would it change our families? How would it change our friendships? How would it change our work relationships if we demonstrated this type of self-sacrificing, others-focused kind of love that we see in Jesus? How would it change the world around us? How would it change the lives of those we come in contact with daily? And you might say like me, but oh, but I struggle so much. It's so difficult and I fail all the time. I fail continually in this. I fail in the way that I treat my wife. I fail in the way that I speak to my children. I fail in the way that I, I, I bring discipline in my home sometimes by, by, by threat of wrath instead of by grace and love with, with sure and solid discipline of, of loving them but showing them grace in Christ. And it's true, you have failed. And you will fail. And the sin you keep endeavoring in over and over again, going back to that same sin because it tears at you and you war at it, you fight against it, but it still draws you in. The struggle is real, yes. But the God who lives in you is greater than the sin that wars against you. He is greater than all things. He is all-powerful. And He has shown great love for us and great mercy by giving us Jesus. And when He gave us Jesus on the cross and He placed His Holy Spirit in us at the point of our being born again, we now have that same power residing in us. So let us run to the Savior. So we cannot do this, but He can do this in us. Yet not us, but through Christ who lives in us. With every breath I long to follow Jesus. For he has said that he will bring me home. And day by day I know he will renew me. Until I stand with joy before the throne. May these words ring true in our ears and deep in our hearts. As we do not rely on self but in Christ in us. Church, let us not lean into the strength we imagine we have in and of ourselves. For it is a faulty promise of strength. But let us rely completely and solely on the strength of Christ who defeated Satan, sin, death, and hell in the greatest show of strength the world has ever seen. That's why we can look at this and say, there is, therefore, there, there, is, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the King. We are not condemned any longer, though we deserve it. For the law of the Spirit of life has set us free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh, in His own flesh, in Jesus' flesh for us. In order that, here's the reason why all this happens, in order that, this is what should happen next, that the righteous requirement of the law, that we should love God above all else and love one another as we love ourselves, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but who walk according to the Spirit. So let us lean not on our own strength, faith family. Let us lean on Jesus 
And by His power, according to the working of His powerful Spirit that lives within us, we can be free from those sins that so entangle us. So let Him set us free daily, renewing us over and over again as we put our hope and our faith in Jesus. For He alone can do that. The law cannot change you. Your will cannot change you. You've tried over and over and over again to make these changes. And you know you cannot, you have not been able. But through Christ in you, it can be done. Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. Let Him set you free even now from the sin that so easily entangles. And maybe this is the first time you've ever heard this. And I'm here to tell you today, Christ Jesus came and lived and died the perfect life that you cannot live and the death that we all deserve so that we can be ushered into the family of God. Not just saved from our sins, but brought into the family of God. And today you can be brought into that family as well if you'll just put your hope in Jesus. Turn from living apart from Him and run into the arms of a Savior who gave everything so that He could have you. Let us find our hope in Christ, for Jesus has set us free on the cross. Thanks be to God. Lord, we need You now. We are unable to do any of these things. It says that You sent Your Son for us because we could not come to You, Lord. We could not jump the chasm. We could not overcome the sin. But You sent Your Son for us. That while we were enslaved to the law and to sin and to death, you sent Jesus to overcome those things for us so that we could be brought into relationship with you again. To renew us and restore us and redeem us according to his powerful work. So Lord, I pray, I ask, I beg you, Lord, that you would work in our hearts today. That you have set us free if we are in Christ, if we have become yours, if we have put our hope and faith in Jesus. That is the evidence that we are yours. And so, Lord, I pray now that those that hear this that are not yours, that you would work in them. You sent your son for us 2,000 years ago. Please send your Holy Spirit now to convict them of sin, bring them into the kingdom, that they might repent and believe on Jesus, our only hope. And that we would all be set free, that we would enjoy you and enjoy one another in a way that we did not believe was possible apart from your son Jesus. Lord, we need you, for we cannot. It is not us, but through Christ in us that it can be done. So we rest on you and your strength and your power and your word and your ability, for you alone deserve the glory. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church. Feel free to share this with anyone you meet, and we pray that this sermon helped you to be more like Jesus, as 12th Street seeks to be a place where we can find forgiveness for the past and hope for the future.